as I was praying about today and uh, spending time with the Lord, as I said earlier yesterday, I was spending some time just, he reminded me of when we were outside before we came in, out of Revelation 2, he's talking to Ephesus, he said, you know, you've done all these good things, but you've left your first love. And he said, repent and go back and do those things. It's amazing how the Lord just goes ahead of us, preparing our hearts. And, uh, you know, First John says, God is love. And the thing that he's really been stirring on the inside of me is that reality of his love in me. And... Uh, my union with him and living from that place, <laughs> not living just from my mind, but from the reality of being um, one with him and union with him. I'm sorry, I'm trying to find. <clears throat> he said, for us to return to our first love, which is Jesus writing to the churches there, so I believe he's talking about our love, a love of God, a love for God, and acknowledging that love in our lives and um, realizing that's the love that's been placed in us. Because where God is wanting us, I believe, especially in the day that we're living in right now, is to be that manifestation of love. Not trying to love like God, but having the love of God come out of us. It's a huge difference. Because trying to love like God is a work, and we're trying to do something that we feel ill-equipped to do. But when we realize it's His love that's been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, it's His love that we've been baptized into, it's His love that we can live from, and it's His love that we can live out of and give. And His love never runs dry. So in situations and circumstances, it can seem like, man, how do I love in this situation? You just have to tap into who you are. As we tap into who we are and that identity in him, then his love is what begins, not us trying to manufacture love, but his love coming out of us. And as I was looking at that, and, and uh, again, Romans chapter 12, I've shared this so many times, uh, but I love it out of the New Living Translation. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 says this. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring one another. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who per persecute you. Do not curse them. Pray that God will bless them. You know what? You have to live from Jesus to do that. Amen, Dustin. You have to live from that place of union with him, oneness with him, to bless those who persecute you. To pray that God would bless them. That's not something you're going to do in your flesh. I don't care how spiritual you are. That's not something you're going to be able to do. That's why he talked about the importance of acknowledging that we died with him when we're resurrected. We're something new. And here in Romans 12, he's talking about don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. 
And so I'm not going to talk in code or anything like that. Racism is wrong. We talked about it last week. Racism is demonic. And we should hate racism, all facets of it. You should hate what is wrong. But he, said, he goes on to say, hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. It's funny, as I was talking to Eric yesterday on the phone, we were just talking and the Lord was just stirring me up so much. And he's, it's amazing how God has kind of knit our hearts together. And as, as I talk to him, I, I just get awakened in my spirit. And we were talking about some things, and I was just telling him a little bit about my past, how I was brought up, the denomination I was brought up in. And I said, you know what? I just had an aha moment. I said, I realized that most of my life in early life in Christianity, was, I was defined by what I was against and not who I was for. I was defined by what I was against, not who I was for or who I was in who I am for. I could tell you what I didn't agree with with them and with them and with them and all the other camps. I could tell you where they were wrong and we were right and in my opinion. And I was, I was more defined by what I was against than who I was. And he said, I believe we, we've all been there. And I think it's so easy, especially in this day, to be defined by what we're against instead of who we are. God is love. I'm in him. And love doesn't mean I just throw a blind eye to everything. Love doesn't mean that I go uh, <clears throat> neutral. It means that I take a stand in love. <laughs> that I walk what I talk. Because that's exactly what Jesus did. He walked what he taught. He said... Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. I've shared this before. If we took delight in honoring the Jesus that we see in other people, it'd be amazing how different our day looks. I made a decision Thursday morning. Mark Twenty, as I was down with them the other week, Mark said, I'm convinced if we would quit navel-gazing, and look up, we'd have a lot of encounters with God. You know what that means if we walk around like this? He said, if we'd quit looking down and look up, we would walk into encounters. Right? So I'm just going to share a few of those encounters with you. I talked about my doorbell. That was just amazing. Uh, and I don't live for them, but I don't discount them either. Amen. Amen. What I mean, I don't live for them. I don't have to have them to know who I am, whose I am, and who I am to be. But when they come, I'm not going to discount them. Amen. So Thursday, I was, I was up here, and they, you can see they're doing some construction in the building. And uh, I was up here. We were having pastor's prayer here Thursday morning. About five other pastors, you guys know this. We meet together and pray every Thursday. And... Uh, I'm, I, that morning, in my time with the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm going to look up. I'm going to pay attention to who you put in front of me and just see what kind of opportunities you have for me today. Mark 20, he calls them breadcrumbs. He said, if you'll just keep your head up and be sensitive to who Jesus is enough that you can see Jesus in every person you meet. It doesn't mean every person you meet is a believer. But you can see that they are wonderfully and fearfully made. They're created in the image of their creator. And when you can see that, you can have a God encounter and might bring them into one. Amen. 
You with me? So I'm up here and I'm getting ready. And if, if you've, <laughs> any of you who know me more than just someone who stands up here and talks, you know that if I get fixed on something, I'm pretty intentional about getting it done. A little focused, Diana. Uh, uh, been called OCD, a little anal retentive, all of those good things, edifying things. So I was trying to get things set up, make coffee and, and get a table set up where we could sit and talk. And this gentleman who's working in construction just comes up. He introduces himself. He says, hi, I'm Tommy. I said, hey, Tommy. He said, I'm helping the contractor that's doing some work around here. I said, that's awesome, man. And I'm still working. And he's still talking. <laughs> so I'm trying not to be rude. So I just stop. And that's all that had to happen. I just stop and put my attention on him. And we start talking. He said, yeah, I'm doing some uh, lecture. This guy, he's an amazing man. Uh, I'm thankful that I wasn't looking down and missed it. It could have looked like a distraction or an even interruption to things that I th felt I needed to do. But because I had my head up, because I was intentional to say, God, I want to see people today. So he just starts talking. And, and, and he, he's, he's talking, and I don't have to. Are you with me? So he's talking. He said, yeah, I was involved in this. And he said, so you, we're doing the work for you? I said, no, you're doing the work for Shanna. She owns the building we lease from her. He said, Shanna who? I said, Shanna Summer. He said, no way. He had no idea. The contractor he was working for knows Shanna, but this guy didn't know who he was doing the work for. He was just helping a friend, another contractor. And he said, um, he said, what? He said, Shanna owns it? I said, yeah. He said, well, when she was down at another church about seven years ago, he said, I was there with her. We worked together when she developed that school and everything like that. He said, I was involved in that church. I was involved in outreach and stuff like that. He said, I actually went to Bible college. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, I went to Bible college. And he said, now I do signs. You know, I do sign work. He said that our company's the print nuts. He's a general, he does electrical work. I mean, this dude, if he sees a, a gap, he's going to fill it. That's just his personality. He's just, he's going to fill it. The reason I say that is because I called him to ask him something because I said, man, give me a price on our sign out front. We've got to change the sign in the very front by the road. I said, give me a price on that. He said, okay. And I called him to tell him some information. I said, hold on. I got to check on my guys doing tree work. I said, you do tree work too? Yeah, I do that too. <laughs> like it can be done. He does it just about. And uh, <clears throat> So we're talking about the sign out here and talking about how he had worked with Shannon. He said, man, yeah, I used to really be connected with outreach. I used to do a lot of outreach. He said, matter of fact, when I went to uh, Bible college at World Harvest Church uh, in Ohio with Rod, at Rod Parsley's church, he said, when I went there, he said, I came up early because I was married and I was getting my sign business started up, established up there. He said, I started doing outreach just in some of the city, uh, around the city in Columbus. I said, no way. I said, yeah, we have, I said, we've been here almost a year. I said, we haven't really had any impact in the community. And he just starts talking about outreach ideas. And you know what? Immediately the presence of the Lord shows up. I'm not about feeling or emotion, but thank God he gave them to me. And one of the things that I know for me, I don't know how it is for you, but I know for me when the presence of God comes real strong on me, the hair on my arm and my leg and the back of my neck will just go... Like I just touch electricity. Everybody, anybody ever stood close to an electric fence? You get close to it and your hair, I go, just kind of reach out to the power. Anyway, 
So we're there and we're talking. All of a sudden, the presence of God just, boom, hits right in the middle. And I start talking to him about who he is and, and ministry and stuff like that. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I said, Tommy, did you, did you recognize that? He said, yeah, every hair on me standing up right now. I said, yeah, I said, that's him. I said, you know why? Because we didn't come in and talk about our theological perspective of who God is. We just started talking about him. And when you take time to talk about him, he'll manifest. And he can shape what you already think you know. I said, that something? We were talking about a sign and Jesus, Jesus manifested in the midst of us. And he said, yeah, it was a sign, all right. <laughs> it was a sign, all right. I could have blown past that and just say, God, I don't have time to love the one that's in front of me right now because I'm too busy. I'm convinced we pray, God, show me how to love the people who are in front of me, how to stand with people who are around me, and we're like this instead of like this, and God's putting people in front of us to love right where they are, right there. You see, I think that's the challenge for a mature believer, is to be able to love somebody where they are, not when they get where you want them. See, when we can love them where they are, it doesn't mean that we approve of where they are. It doesn't mean any of that. It means that I can love you in the midst of where you are because I know that's not who you are. You may not know that's who you are yet, but I can see it. You know why? Because I can see him. And when we can really love, not just pretend to love, not just love those that are easy to love, because Paul even said, How, what good is it if you love those who love you back? Or was it Jesus. Even the world does that. That's easy. But he said, here, don't just pretend to love. Really authentically love people. Authentically love people. And then he, he took me over to, uh, and I've shared this before. He's had me in Genesis. Even this morning when we were singing, and, and when uh, uh, someone started singing out, hey, he's Alpha and Omega, Jesus, when he said, I'm Alpha and Omega, he didn't speak Greek. He was speaking Aramaic or Hebrew. He just said, I'm Aleph and Toph, the beginning and the end. I'm Aleph Toph. And if you look in, the, in, the, uh, in your Bibles, if you have one that has your Hebrew, like my Bible program, it'll have the English word, it'll have a transliterated word, and it'll have the actual Hebrew word under it. It's broken down like this, and you can see them. And in Genesis chapter 1, in Genesis where it says, in the beginning, God, Aleph Toph. Aleph Toph in the Old Testament is untranslated. And the Hebrew scholars go, we don't know why it's untranslated. We don't even really know what it means. But in the beginning, God, and the word God there is Elohim is plural, the Trinity. In the beginning, Aleph Toph. Jesus said, I am Aleph Toph. In the beginning, God created man to have dominion. It said the earth was void, without form. It was dark. And remember I read that last week? And the Spirit of God was hovering over the earth. Holy Spirit, he's not afraid of darkness. Because he knows that we are light. And light supersedes dark. But God said, if we're going to understand what we're supposed to look like, we've got to go back to our original intent. And that's sons of God walking on the earth, having dominion on the earth. Amen. That's what we have to go look, 
go look at. We have to look at how God created Adam and Eve. And when he created Adam, he gave him dominion over all the earth, the fish of the air, the birds of the, uh, the, birds of the air, the fish of the sea. <laughs> created a new species right there. The fish of the air. They are flying fish. We saw them when we were on a cruise the other year. Those things just come up out of the water and fly. Anyway. He said, I've given you dominion. That's where we're supposed to walk is a place of dominion. But we, what we're supposed to release in our dominion now is the person of God, Jesus, who is love. That's what we have an opportunity. And I was talking, and with, I think it was with Dustin, and the Lord's just really been stirring me about the word walk, our walk. In Galatians, he said, walk in the spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. That word walk is peripateo, and I want to uh, read the definition of that to you, because um, it's seen throughout the New Testament. Uh, li- listen to this one, 1 Corinthians. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 3. says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you're still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there is envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? That word behaving, it literally means walking. It's this word peripateo. It means walking like mere men. So what is Paul saying, even in that statement, are we mere men? No. It wasn't a trick question. We are not mere men. We are God men. Jesus was the firstborn of many brethren, meaning the ones coming after him would be just like him. We are not mere men. That's where earlier when I talked about the angelic encounter and the other thing, if we only see ourselves from carnal perspective bound to this world and this world system stuck You'll never fulfill all that God has for you. Because we're living from earth to heaven instead of from heaven to earth. <clears throat> Behaving like mere men. Peripateo. It says, this is uh, the word, it means this. It suggests a person who has walked in one region for so long that he has now become, it has now become his environment, his place of daily activity, the sphere that encircles his existence. So what is he saying? Don't walk in the carnal mindset that you're only human and be so consumed by what's going on around you in humanity that you can't understand that you are a spirit. Because we can get so familiar with what's going on around us that we can't see who we are, so we have no authority to change what we're in. Hmm. Jesus had authority to change the, the world that he was in because he, was, he said, Satan's come, but he has no part in me. So he had authority to change the round. Everywhere, just answer me this. When you read your Bible, does Jesus change the situation, circumstance every time he walks up? He didn't become subject to it. Even when they wanted to, to kill him, before to stone him or to throw him off of a cliff, he, he understood. <laughs> anyway, I won't go there right now. Your walk... It says this, it's best explained by this, by thinking of a person who has walked one path so habitually 
that he will be able to walk that path blindfolded because it has become his path, his sphere, the place he has habitually lived and functioned. He said, don't walk like mere men. Because as you, if you walk with that mindset and that perspective, it will become your reality. The limitations of that realm, that sphere, will be limitations that you place on yourself. Is this making sense to anyone? He said, don't walk that way. See, when we walk from heaven to earth, we can walk in a sphere, in a realm, and we can carry with us the power that Jesus carried, that he gave us, and we can change that situation. We, instead of a thermostat, a thermometer that adapts to the temperature in the room, we can set the temperature in the room. Not through striving, yelling, or screaming, but through being. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit, who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as others. But God, thank God for but God, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together. See, in God's eye, when that took place with Christ, we were co-included. We died in Christ and we were resurrected. He, God really sees us in Christ. He really does. So when Christ was resurrected, he sees us resurrected in him. That's how he views us now. Co-resurrected, co-living in Christ. He raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace have you been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So he said, don't walk as mere men, but walk in the good works that God's already prepared before you, beforehand, for you to walk in. See, it's not walking to get something, it's walking from someone, from a position of being raised, seated with him. Where are my notes just went? They freaked out on me. Hold on. There's so many, so many times in, in Ephesians that this word peripateo is used. Ephesians 4, chapter 1, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you walk worthy of the calling with which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. <clears throat> verse, uh, verse 7 says, but each one of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. 
I'm not going to read all that. It goes on to, this is where he starts talking about the spiritual gifts. He gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the equipping of the saints. Let me see. I was going somewhere. Ephesians 4. Therefore, verse 17, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understand dark and being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanliness and greediness. Chapter 5, verse 1, therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice, a sweet-smelling aroma. So he's saying this, that our walk, our, familiar, our area that's familiar to us should be one in the Spirit, walking from our identity in him. That's where Galatians talks about walk in the Spirit same word, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. See, I was brought up in a culture that was this. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And then you'll be in the Spirit. That's not what he said. He said, walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk. Have your area that, that where you live is in the Spirit realm. Your understanding of your identity of being one with Him. And see, This is, it's caught more than taught. Because you can have all the right understanding of that, but when it becomes revelation from you, you'll start living from a different perspective. And that's why I say caught more than taught, because you can have all, you can have your arsenal loaded with good scriptures. But when revelation knowledge, and that's why Paul prayed that their eyes of their heart would be opened, would be enlightened. Because when revelation knowledge comes in, then you start living from a different place. Your walk changes, not because you beat yourself into submission or any of those things. Your walk becomes different because now you're walking from a place instead of to a place. Galatians, um, let me let me look. Galatians chapter five. Hold on, I'm not lost, I'm just reading. (laughs) 
I'll start in verse 10. Um, whole chapter's really good. He said in verse 7, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This is from the New American Standard Version. This persuasion did not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will adopt no other view, but the one who is disturbing you will bear his judgment, whoever he is. But I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? Then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. I wish that those who were troubling you would even mutilate themselves. <laughs> it's a little strong. Verse 13, for you are called to freedom, brethren. Only do not let your freedom turn into an opportunity for the flesh. But through, uh, but through love, serve one another. Again, what does he say in love does? Love serves one another. Romans 12 said what? Don't just pretend to love, really love. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in, uh, in, one word in, this state, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you're not consumed by one another. But I say, I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Walk, peripateo, make your manner of living be from the spirit, not from the flesh. From the spirit, not from carnal mindset, not from what your sphere, that you're not affected by the culture that you live in, that you affect the culture that you live in. If that's fear, you say, I'm not going to be affected. I'm not going to be driven, or I'm not going to make fear my habit, my familiar place of living. Again, we talked about racism. Racism is demonic. And say, look, I'm not going to allow racism. So how do I not allow it? If it's identified in me, if there's things, and there's places every one of us can grow. If there's something that's identified in me, I deal with it. I don't ignore it. Because I am allowing his love to transform me into not trying to be like him, but to being him on the earth. And he said here, I say to you, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desires. For the flesh sets its desires against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For they're in opposition to one another. So that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions or, or divisions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, carousing, and things 
like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you. I, that of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22. This is one we know. But the fruit of the Spirit is what? It is love. It is joy. It is peace. It is patience. It is kindness. It is goodness. It is faithfulness. It is gentleness. It is self-control. Against such there is no law. So as we were singing out who God is earlier, we could say this. God is love. God is joy. He is peace. He is patience. He is kindness. He is goodness. He is faithfulness. He is gentleness. He is self-control. And against him, there is no law that can stand. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. Whoa. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desire. Past tense, have crucified. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another. He said, but if you live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. So again, he goes, and I read it, the fruit of the Spirit. But, but though, this I say, walk in the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. He said the, the flesh and the Spirit are at war. There's literally hatred against each other. And that's what the enemy wants you to be. Amen. He wants us to be at hatred, at war, and anger against each other instead of walking with one another in the spirit of humility and in love, honoring one another. As we read and we started in Romans chapter 12, don't just pretend to love, really love. You know what we need to do is we need to evaluate in our own hearts, God, what does really loving look like for me? In this situation, what does love look like to me? And again, love is not inactivity. Love is directed activity. It's going, man, I'm not just going to sit back and act like everything's rosy and warm and beautiful. I'm going to walk in love. Walk. There's movement. Walking in the Spirit is not sitting in the Spirit. It's walking in the Spirit. It means I acknowledge that I'm an agent of change. So my realm, my sphere... It's changed because I'm not trying to be something. I'm living from someone and from a place. I'm already, remember, we were co-raised. We were co-crucified. We're co-raised in him. That reality can escape us that God sees us in union with his son and right standing with his son and that we walk in that place in that realm that we shift the atmospheres around us, that we walk, we choose to walk in love. And again, that is not passivity, but it means I'm walking with the fruit of the Spirit, that I'm praying for those that persecute me. Did Jesus model that? Yeah, when he hung on the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them. They don't understand what what they're doing. See, if we can set our gaze on him, not if, as we set our gaze on him, 
He can manifest in every situation. And you know what? When he manifests, peace comes. Life comes. Right then, right there in that place. I'm telling you, tangibly comes. Two other, this week, two other conversations just started talking about him and who he is. And he starts, he starts manifesting. His presence comes. And it wasn't trying to prove my position of anything. It was loving, looking, seeing, hearing, saying. Because there are times to speak. And as I meditate on that, I look, this is what it's supposed to look like. When we love, when we walk in love, when we truly love one another. I'll close with this. Colossians 2, verse 6. As you have therefore, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. He said, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him. What is he saying? Make that your reality. That your reality is that you are in Christ Jesus. So when we look, I had a conversation with someone this week, and I said, if, if Jesus is the exact representation of the Father, and he is, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, he is the express image, the exact representation of the Father. If we see it in his life, we should see it in ours. If we don't see it in his, we shouldn't see it in ours. And what has happened in, in Todd's life is I've made Jesus look a whole lot like me instead of me being understanding what I look like in him. He said, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him. Let that be your familiar realm. So what does that look like? In the, in the, in the simple, what that looks like? is I'm accepted in him. Your, okay, as simple as I can put it, let your re reality be that that you see in the life of Jesus. That's what he's saying here. Your walk, your sphere of uh, life, what's familiar to you, let it be the reality of Jesus. Have we arrived? No. I've met people that look a whole lot more like Jesus than I do, but they haven't arrived yet. And you know what those people do? They draw him out of me. That's who I want to be around. I want to be around those people who are, are pursuing him and passionate for him because it awakens me. That's what he's called. That's how we're going to change the world that we live in. We're not 
passive and sitting back and just in our prayer closet praying. But what I'm telling you is this. When you get in that place, in the secret place with him that Matthew talks about, he said, when you get in that place with him, I'll reward you publicly. I'll do it openly. When you get along with me, because see, when we're along with him and we start understanding, guys, here's I'm going to let you in on a secret. He just loves you. It's not what you do or what you can do for him. He just loves you. And when we believe that, that he just loves me, then we'll do more than we ever would have to gain his love because we're working from it, not for it. So my challenge today is however many times you need to do it in this day, it's just, if you have to say it audibly, say it. He just loves me. He just loves me. And he wants to be with me. So I, that, you know what that does? That transforms my secret place. It's not now I have to go do something so God will love me. I'm loved. So now I can look forward to that time as much as he looks forward to it. Because I'm going to be with a person. And, and as I've said, I'll say this and stop. Every person that encountered Jesus was changed. Not every person was changed for the good. That was their choice. Some left enraged because what they saw in them they didn't like and they thought it was Jesus doing it, but really it was already there. He just made it manifest. And when we draw close to him, I said this a couple weeks ago, when we draw close to him and things start manifesting that are ugly to us, that's his love. That's his love. It's not his judgment telling you how sorry you are. That's his love saying, look, this was hiding and you didn't even see it hiding in there. (laughs) That's peculiar, isn't it? And he gives us the opportunity to go, Jesus, this doesn't look like you. So I make a choice to lay it down. Right? So Father, we bless you. I thank you, God, that you have called us to walk in the Spirit. That doesn't mean we just hide in a closet and pray. It means that we intentionally walk out the life of Jesus in the earth today. And that we represent him well. Not our version or our copy of him, but who he really is in and through us. That the life of Jesus would be made manifest to the world around me. That my walk, my sphere, would be changed by authentic love. That I wouldn't just pretend to love, I would really love those that I walk with. And God, I believe that as we steward well what you've given us, that it makes room for more. 30, 60, and 100 fold. Help us, Jesus, steward well our union with you. (laughs) 
God, I don't know of anyone who wouldn't want to live from a place where striving has died. It was co-crucified. So thank you, Jesus, for all that you accomplished. And that all that we were grafted into when we were co-crucified and co-resurrected with you, co-seated with you, that our walk would influence the world around us. Father, I thank you. for who you are. Your grace that abounds towards us. That we would walk out our own salvation. not work for but walk out God we do pray for our country our nation our communities they're broken and hurting and I thank you God in darkness you've called us to be light even called us light that we are light Thank you for wisdom to know what that looks like in each situation and circumstance. God, that we walk with our heads up, not our heads down. That we see what's going on and that we, God, are agents of change because of your life being lived in and through us. We bless you, Lord. And Lord, right now, we lay down anything That maybe even in this service, God, that we've held on to that doesn't look like you. We lay those down. Lies about us. Attitudes or actions that do not represent you well. God, we lay those things down. And we pick up the reality of Christ in us. (laughs) Thank you for who you are. Holy Spirit, we submit ourselves to you. our comforter, one who's called alongside to walk with us. God, we still every voice that's not your voice so that we can tune into what you're saying to your invitations and opportunities. We bless you. Thank you, Lord. God, 
there are any here today that's never entered into relationship with you. As the Philippian jailer sprung into the jail, he said, what do I have to do to be saved? They said, believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. That's the beginning of understanding that we, we die with you and we resurrected in you, God. So if there's one here who hasn't made that profession of faith, hasn't believed into that today, today be that day. They would come and speak with me or someone else sitting by them. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in us. God, our hearts desires that this not be a place of visitation, but a place of habitation. We walk in such union with you as we come and we gather corporately. God, there's such a manifestation of who you are that it's undeniable. Lord, we bless you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.